This is all great. Hosted by Animation Tanya. We are excited to bring you the third episode of All Grit. We foray into the world of marketing and our guest today comes from a gamut of experience in this field. We are in conversation with Vivek Khandelwal, who is a graduate of ISB, has held senior marketing positions in Groupon, Amex, and is currently with Autodesk as the head of digital marketing and strategy of the Asia Pacific region. We discuss the changing trends in marketing communications while getting to know more about his interesting career path. Hey Vivek, welcome to the podcast. We are really, really excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to it. Finally, um, you got so the time I... to join us from Singapore. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, Singapore is still fine, right? Uh, try doing a webinar with somebody in the US, <laughs> then you'll realize how difficult time zones can be. Yeah. So, how are things in Singapore right now? definitely better i think uh, the government was quite proactive in uh, ramping up all of the testing and different preventive measures so mm-hmm. it's definitely improved from what it was let's say a couple of months back that's good to hear um so talking of singapore um we understand that you went to uh, smu for your undergrad and then eventually to indian school of business in hyderabad uh, that sounds like a very exciting journey and you know we would definitely like to hear you talk about it a little bit more in our- talk about your journey so far yeah absolutely so you know when i was in high school i had an aspiration to go study abroad right and uh, you know singapore was a, a very obvious choice for for various reasons you know firstly it was close to home uh, from an asia context a lot of multinational companies tend to have the regional headquarters in singapore as well and it's really a melting pot of cultures right so very international place great place to live in so uh, that's when i applied to smu and uh, there was a new course that the university was starting around information systems which sounded very exciting uh, merging business and it so you know decided to take up that that course within smu right uh, after my graduation from smu i did my own venture so you know the venture was around education and training uh, did that for a couple of years Uh, after which you know I had to wind down the venture and that's when i started asking myself right what is it that i want to do next you know from here and uh, at that point i you know kind of realized that i would love to go back into the corporate world right uh, and you know before going into the corporate world i thought it would be important to sort of complement my experience in the venture with some management tools and techniques as well right so mba was definitely something that was on the cards uh, of course mba gives you a pretty strong head start in terms of the role and company right as well so that's when i started looking at different business schools and uh, isb fit the bill on on many different criteria right the peer group of isb has great work experience they come from a very diverse set of industries through its affiliation to the top business schools in the world the education is fairly international as well right so it seemed to be like the right fit uh, for me you know uh, for my for my mba since you mentioned your startup uh, separations are usually very very difficult now uh, we understand that leaving a startup and joining a business school must have been a very difficult decision what were the challenges of uh, while leaving your uh, baby like that yeah so look my startup was around a partnership with a you know very popular training company in europe right and when you're doing business with a company abroad 
it's very difficult to predict if working styles, working expectations are going to match or not, right? I mean, in hindsight, I would have loved to do a little bit more due diligence in that space. But uh, again, you know, this venture was something I was I was starting right out of college. I was fresh out of college. I was doing this completely on my own. So, you know, there were some challenges in that space. I think the other uh, key thing that's worth highlighting is that my risk appetite started to decline a year into the startup, right? So you see your peer groups around uh, around you who are in comfortable corporate jobs, they're getting a stable income. And then as an entrepreneur, you always ask yourself, right, is this, uh, is this the right thing, right? Whatever you're doing, is this something that you really want to do? You know, what's going to happen one or two years down the line? So I think, uh, you know, those were the couple of reasons why I eventually winded up my startup. But my advice, you know, to all of the listeners of this would be when starting a new company, right, you've got to think long term. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, thinking short term is not going to do you justice, right? If you end this to make profit in the first year, that's not going to happen. You have to have a time frame of at least something like three to five years when uh, starting your own company, right? So that is, you know, learning for myself as well, right? I mean, I was probably a little bit uh, short term in my approach. Uh, as a as a you know fairly young entrepreneur, and I think what kept me motivated right uh, during this difficult time was my desire to sort of start fresh right into the corporate world, uh, get into uh, you know industry as well as a function which I'm truly passionate about, and uh, start my career again you know in a, in, a, in the corporate arena. So that was what really got, got me motivated during that time. That's really interesting. You said that you grew risk aversive and that's why you wanted to kind of start afresh. But what I noticed in your career trajectory is that you started, your undergrad was in finance and information systems, right? And then you moved to marketing from uh, thereafter after your days in ISB. So, uh, I mean, that must have been, that must have taken courage because you're completely changing your industry. So what influenced this shift and uh, how difficult and easy or easy was it to, uh, for you to do this? Yeah, I mean, I often get asked that question, right? So this is not a new question at all. I'm sure. Uh, now, during my, you know, when you're starting a company, right, when you're an entrepreneur, you end up becoming a jack of all. You know, I remember my startup days when I was running my venture. I was doing sales in the morning, marketing in the afternoon, accounting in the evening. <laughs> so you get a flavor of many different disciplines. And then you, uh, you know, really start asking yourself, right, what is your true passion? And there's no better way to find out than by actually experiencing it in the real real world environment, right? As opposed to, let's say, you know, reading about these things, you know, in books. So that's when I figured, you know, marketing is really my calling. That's what I'm truly passionate about. And uh, I wanted to make that career switch basis that experience, right? Now, making the switch is not easy, like you said. It does take a lot of courage. But uh, I think if you've got the right game plan, you are able to do it. Right. And for me, the game plan was, you know, number one, do an MBA in marketing. So that gives me a pretty strong uh, educational qualification in that space. It allows me to understand a discipline in, in, in much more detail. But at the same time, also to do as many projects I, as I can in the marketing world, you know, while at university, try to do more case studies, try to take up some projects in that space. You know, while I was at ISB, I took an experiential learning program, which is a sort of a uh, a real life project that you do for a for a client, right? Which was also in the marketing space. So all of that allowed me to really build up my profile and differentiate myself, right? From somebody who was, uh, you know, not really totally averse with marketing. So I think that was what got things going for me. I think it's very important 
that you uh, you know build a game plan around how you're going to make that switch it's not easy but if you do it right uh, it can be done uh so i actually want you to talk a little bit more about that because we are from are currently enrolled in a one year mba as well so i and i assume and you were talking about it that it's not easy to make a shift of domain especially in a one year mba so what kind of hard work and i mean you spoke about it a little bit but you know if you could elaborate on what kind of work goes into making a shift if you're looking to make it in a one year program like you did and like we are enrolled in what is that extra which you had to give absolutely so you know i think one of the advantages of attending a business school is that your peer group come from a very wide range of backgrounds mm-hmm. right so it is extremely critical that you you take full advantage of that you speak to people who have come from a marketing background and understand from them you know what are the skill sets needed what is it that you know companies are actually looking for when they actually assess the various candidates so i think that gave me a real perspective on you know what are the areas i really need to focus on and basis that then i started reading up more on on you know specific areas i started taking some you know side certifications as well you know for example i remember that during my mba i took an entire certification on google search right okay. to to you know get myself ready when the time is right and when placements begin so i think uh, you know that 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 part is also very very critical and uh, you know really being on top of your marketing courses right because you know that this is something that you're here for that's the switch you're going to make so Uh, making sure that you know you you are aware about those courses having conversation with professors and students all of that really comes together to to allow you to uh, make the switch now you when you finally got into marketing we noticed that you got into many american multinational companies as a head of uh, head of the apac region asia pacific now what kind of challenges did you face in these regions because in asia asia pacific is culturally very diverse when it comes to culture demographic uh, spending powers there are many data sets for a marketer to look at so uh, there are two questions here which was the most difficult region to market for and what uh, was the biggest challenge which comes when you are going across regions with the same product yeah so anish like you rightly pointed out right apac is a very heterogeneous region you know every country has its own marketing landscape own marketing platforms and as a apac marketer somebody who has a regional remit it can be a very complex ecosystem right so uh, i think if i were to think about which market is probably the most challenging right and i am pretty sure a lot of the apac marketers would have a similar answer it has to be china right so china has its own parallel world when it comes to digital platforms where you find good user engagement and reach right let's take social media for example uh typically across apac facebook and instagram it tends to yeah. work pretty well they've got a good yeah. amount of reach they've got a good amount of customer base on them right but there's hardly any facebook footprint in china right instead they've got platforms like wechat which is sort of a combination of whatsapp and facebook and zihu which is a you know online community which is where you need to advertise from a social media standpoint right now with each of these platforms you have to go through a entire learning curve they have their own idiosyncrasies which you need to understand in order to market there right so for somebody who's handling 10 markets to go through such a steep learning curve for one market is quite a bit overhead but then you know the size of the china market makes it worth it right uh, similar things can be said about the search marketing where there's no google search marketing in china instead there's a platform called baidu which is mm-hmm. very dominant 
right? So it's a complex ecosystem out there. You know, you you learn as you go. Uh, but I think in order to succeed in a regional role, it'll be critical that you have a deep understanding of these platforms. Which one is good for what kind of you know audiences? What kind of products and services? Right? It's a it's a steep learning curve, but it's uh, it's definitely an exciting one as well. Now, one very interesting thing which I read about the Southeast Asian market was that there are some colors which are auspicious to them and some colors which are not. So, red can be auspicious to Indonesia, for example, and but it can be uh, considered very unlucky in Singapore. So, do you adjust for the, these kind of uh, nuances as well? Yeah, no, that's a very interesting point that you bring up, and uh, it is actually true. You know, we need to be very cognizant. of the nuances in each of these markets and that's why you know as a regional marketer i feel it's very important to also have a, a team that's geographically diverse right so you know people who are sitting in each of the markets who understand the culture of that market you know who know what the uh, you know do's and don'ts are so we do definitely factor these kinds of things in right uh, you need to be very culturally sensitive in markets like these and uh, take into consideration you know what consumers expect right from from a company that's doing business there so i think uh, you know definitely having local knowledge helps yeah yeah and that's really interesting in fact my next question to you is uh, about consumer behavior only so you know we are noticing that the world around us businesses around us are uh, shook by what's going on in the world right now and uh, businesses are uh, going on a rampant digital drive and you know this has to have an effect and translate to a change in consumer behavior as well so how do you think the markets have evolved changed recently how have interactions changed if you could talk about that yeah so you know one of the things i'd say is that definitely we've seen a pick up in digital activity right people are spending more time at home inevitably right there's uh, you know there are very limited amount of outdoor activities that are available so we are definitely seeing a pick up in uh, you know buying through digital channels as opposed to face to face channels now in addition to that uh, i would say like in general right one challenge for marketers in this era is how do we strike a balance between tailoring our messaging right to consumers in context of what is happening in the world and at the same time not sounding like we're trying to be pushy or capitalizing on what's going on right so there's a very thin line between the two you know some companies have struggled in this space whereas other companies have done extremely well right and, and and the risk of going wrong here is very high right because you lose the trust and confidence from your consumers so it's very important to be genuine in in the way you're messaging out to your consumers and as a marketer right uh, the way you speak to them so you know just to give an example autodesk has done some excellent uh, work in this space you know we began to offer some free cloud solutions to customers during this period so that they can collaborate better in a remote environment and that is really in the spirit of genuinely uh, helping the customers out so i think it's important to be genuine it's important to understand you know that consumers also going to be sensitive to the messaging that you are out going to send out and uh, act accordingly yeah and uh... i i read something about this along the same lines and i want to ask you about it so basically uh, right now consumers are not linear consumers anymore i mean the the consumer behavior has become much complicated if we compare it to the traditional way of how they would uh, react to things so and it has become imperative for businesses to produce a lot of content right because 
the media around us, uh, social media and the online market spaces become so content heavy and everybody is generating content. So how do you make sure that that content is relevant, but then the the it's the amount is uh, huge as well. So how do you like strike that balance and make sure that uh, consumers um, get the right message? Yeah, I think uh, that is definitely a hot topic in organizations today, right? Any organization you go to, there'll be, you know, an entire content marketing team that will be set up, you know, who are trying to sort of figure out how much content to write, what content to write, how do we get the users to be engaged, right? So these are all very pertinent questions. And I think it's important to uh, eventually link whatever content you're providing, right, to what your final objective is. Right. I think it's important to look at it from a perspective of, okay, you know, the content that I want to produce now is more from an educational standpoint. So we want to basically educate the customers about, let's say, cloud solutions or about software products. So that is our objective with this content. And then, you know, write content for, with, with that context. And then maybe, you know, a couple of weeks or months down the line, you want to basically nurture those customers, right, into actual paying customers. So then you write an article that talks more specifically about your product and, you know, why the value is good. So I think, you know, you, you need to be very strategic about what is the objective of your content, focus on that at that point in time, instead of trying to do too many things at the same time. And uh, eventually think of it from a consumer standpoint, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of content out there. If you're going to be trying to be salesy in all of your content, people are not going to appreciate that. Right. So they, they need to benefit from it as well. They need to get educated and learn from your content as well. So I think putting yourself in the shoes of the customer is one of the key things when it comes to content as well. So Vivek, as you said earlier as well, that the company should not come out as capitalists because the crisis is going to end one day and perceptions are going to be made. So this is a sentiment which was there during the end of the Second World War as well, where a lot of companies were looked at as war profiteers. Now, uh, now, when we look inside an organization, how does this sentiment transfer inside an organization? and How are work dynamics changing inside an organization during this as compared to what it was before the crisis? Yeah, you know, what I personally feel about this is that there's a lot lesser opportunity to interact with, uh, you know, people outside of your immediate line of work, right? So you will, you'll get, you'll be on Zoom calls with your team members or your direct stakeholders, you know, all day long. But uh, we, we tend to lose touch with, you know, people who are outside of your immediate line of work, right? And then this could include senior leadership, you know, people who are in, you know, adjacent teams and so on, right? At the same time, you know, having these relationships is extremely critical because sooner or later you will need support from them, right? It's, it's important to be on, on top of mind, you know, when it comes to these various stakeholders as well, right? So I think that's, that's certainly one way in which... Uh, dynamics have changed. There's no opportunity to have hallway conversations or to just do casual chit chat in the office, you know, or a cup of tea or something. So I, you know, I think one of the key things in order to sort of overcome this is uh, having more one-on-ones with individuals, right? Uh, compared to what you would have had regularly, right? So proactively set up sessions with people whom you don't have direct work with, but, you know, just in the spirit of building a rapport, having a relationship so that, you know, when you need their support, they're there for you. Right, it, it doesn't become all transactional. So I think that is uh, something uh, you you got to do. And personally, you know, I've been setting up one-on-ones with a lot of people in adjacent teams. Uh, where we're not always talking about work. We could be talking about Netflix shows. We could be talking about a sports match. 
you know, and, and all of that. It, and it's just in the, with, the, with the intention of having a good relationship across a wider group of people in the organization. So I think that's, that's a dynamic which everybody should be aware of, definitely. Since there are no non-verbal cues present anymore uh, while interacting with somebody, so even now when we interact, uh, there are not a lot of non-verbal cues which you can, which we can notice about about each other. So do you think people overcompensate in certain places? Do you think there will be a lot of team emails or team WhatsApp messages, something like that? Yeah, definitely. You know, in fact, uh, we we started a, a sort of health competition recently. You know, within our team where uh, we, we started keeping a track of points, you know, when you do a certain activity and, you know, the, the winner would get a amazing prize and all of that. So I, I think, you know, definitely teams are making an effort. I think it's definitely uh, the responsibility of the leadership to keep engagement high, right, among the employees and, and have a lot of these activities. Uh, I think what is also very important is to have a sense of humor, right during this time because otherwise calls become very transactional right you you're jumping from one call to the other and you know people are only talking about work so you know i i try sometimes to uh you know crack a few jokes while while on calls you know some fail some succeed but <laughs> i think it's important to have a sense of humor i think it's it's, uh, it's key that uh you know you you keep things light as, as far as possible yeah, that, that makes sense and um i mean all of us are trying to figure out a way to uh, sort of traverse through this new normal that people are calling it now. But uh, that's great advice. So, uh, like I mentioned before, your career trajectory has been amazing and it's really, really inspiring for all of us. Uh, so, I want you to tell us uh, some of the marketing battle scars that you may have picked up along the course of your career, right? And, um, you know, it could be investments that you really believed in that did not generate the ROI that you were expecting, anything that you can probably tell us. So, you know, if I go back in time to my startup days, right, I can I can definitely think of a very good learning that I had during that time. So, you know, my startup was about uh, training and education, right? So we were selling something that is intangible. And generally sending something that's intangible, uh, intangible or service-based is a bit more challenging. So we used to organize these free webinars for people to come and participate in, where we would, you know, give them a few nuggets of information, but at the same time, introduce our course to them. So the response to the webinars were amazing. You know, we would have a thousand people register, maybe 500 show up and we were related. We were like, you know, this is exactly the kind of response that we wanted. Now we would have a lot of people buy our training courses, but uh, you know, reality hit us hard. We realized that while these people were attending our free webinars, their intention to actually pay money and buy was very little. And we didn't really get any paying customers from these uh, you know, people who were attending the webinar. And that's when we realized quality is so much more important than quantity, right? Um, so we switched gears. We introduced a, a different program called Refer a Friend Program, right? Uh, during the startup where the past participants for different courses could refer the course to their friends and family, right? And people tend to associate a lot more credibility to, you know, what others say, you know, peer reviews make a huge difference. And that was the right tool for us. You know, we got a lot of referrals and we were able to sort of be successful in our marketing there. So I think the key lesson for us was number one, you know, quality is more important than quantity. And number two, you've got to use the right tool at the right time for the right product, right? Webinars are good in a certain context, but may not be good in a certain context. So you've got to think hard about that decision before actually arriving at that decision. And you've got to pilot it in a small way before you make big investments. 
into into doing uh, something like that i think we should also explore uh, some unconventional means of marketing as well so these days you see a lot of influencers marketing uh, products for people so some something like stand up comedians uh, instagram influencers these people will always be behind some product or the other which was not prevalent 5 years ago for example now on that note uh, i want to i want you to give us some actionable advice if somebody wants to pursue a career in uh, in marketing in today's landscape because there's a, there's a very there used to be a very thick line between digital marketing and traditional marketing but that line is eroding away as by the second so what kind of steps should a person take should a management student take if they want to pursue a career in marketing so you know marketing itself is a very broad field right i wouldn't uh, encourage anyone to think of marketing as sort of one career path they could take it's you know marketing has many spectrums within the umbrella of marketing right which can be very different in nature for example brand marketing market research account based marketing or performance marketing are all very different in terms of the kind of skill set it needs to succeed in terms of you know uh, how you might actually enjoy right each of these different disciplines so i think it is critical that somebody who wants to foray into the world of marketing they educate themselves thoroughly about all these forms of marketing the best way to do that obviously is to speak to people in the industry right to get a clear sense of what each of these encompass what kind of skill sets do you need and uh, you know then figure out what is it that they do with you right so just to give you an example of that performance marketing is very data center right so somebody who's more analytical somebody who's good with uh numbers is likely to do better in performance marketing as opposed to brand marketing which is a lot more about you know being creative and storytelling so i think that that is definitely the first step i would take if i'm thinking about a career in marketing um you know if you get an opportunity to do a more integrated role early on in your career which is something like a you know portfolio marketing manager or head of marketing kind of a role then you get a flavor of all these different disciplines right and then you can take a much better decision as to you know which ones you want to specialize in right as you progress into your career so that could be another way to look at it and you know that's why a lot of people recommend starting your career with a startup maybe you know because you become a jack of all you understand all forms of marketing and then you finally figure out what is it your your real calling right based on your experience so you know marketing is probably one of the most fastest moving disciplines out there today right marketing today is completely different from what it was 10 years back and marketing 10 years from now will be completely different from what it is today you know there's so much technology so much data and innovation that's going on that one needs to really be on top of all of the different things to succeed in a career in marketing you know i myself avidly read marketing journals on a daily basis just to understand you know what are the different developments that are happening in the marketing world so i think the ability to learn unlearn and relearn right is is very critical in the field of marketing which has so much innovation going on so that's another piece of advice i would definitely like to give to people who are looking into this career in marketing to keep themselves aware of what's going on you know uh, what the different technologies are what are the different companies that are proliferating in the space right to to be knowledgeable no i think that that makes sense and in fact we were speaking to a data analytics expert in our last episode and this is what he said as well that you have to 
you your learning never stops you have to keep reading you have to keep uh, updating yourself with the latest that's happening in the in the world and that's 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 true for marketing that's true for data analytics i think right now everything is changing because of digital transformation that's taking place so we have to keep ourselves updated with what's happening so thank you for that advice um now we are nearing the end of uh, this episode and this is a question that we love to ask all our guests uh, and i know that you've spoken about some of the challenges that you faced in your career so far but i want you to describe for us some of the hardest decisions that you have had to take through the course of your uh, career so i think one of the harder decisions that i can think of right is when i was switching jobs very recently i was uh, you know i made my move from american express to autodesk and when the opportunity uh, from autodesk landed right i started asking myself a lot of questions right because i had traditionally been a b2c marketer right uh, whereas you know autodesk being in the b2b space was very different at the same time uh, i was wondering should i specialize in bfsi because you know there's a lot of digital opportunities in the bfsi space right if you talk about banking and financial services um but this was a software company so it was switching industries switching from b2c to b2b so i had some concerns and you know i wasn't sure what i should be doing it was a really difficult decision and i remember speaking to um, a couple of people in the industry during that time and um, in particular this one conversation right that, that really changed my perspective on this uh, this individual was like you know this is the time to explore right and go out experience b2b marketing right uh, see what marketing in a software company is like uh, it only helps you broaden your horizon it only helps you get another perspective to it right and you know being in a comfort zone is easy you know i could have decided to stick to the industry stick to b2c marketing specialize in that but i think uh, you know the journey has been so exciting since i joined autodesk i learned so much more about b2b marketing i've gotten a flavor of what marketing in a software company is like and uh, i think i have much more holistic knowledge of marketing in general which is something that's going to you know last me a lifetime so again a piece of advice here would be don't try to stick to your comfort zones right uh, it's fine to try something new you know don't do something very arbitrary of course you know for example if i was moving from marketing to operations overnight you know that that might have raised some questions but you know within the world of marketing experiencing b2c b2b different industries i think that's something i would definitely encourage everyone to do something which you rightly said that we should not stick to our comfort zone because as this landscape is evolving your comfort zone is going to shrink by the second exponentially and you'll be left with a piece of you'll be left with an inch to stand on if you just stick to your comfort zone now since unfortunately we are at the end of our time now uh, we want you to have the space for 2 minutes and tell us something interesting which you are doing uh in the organization or you are doing during this lockdown uh what is going on vivek yeah so uh you know one of the things that i thought i should learn during this lockdown was a little bit about stock trading right you know, you know we all heard about money to be made if you buy stocks and all of that so when i got some free time i, I decided to uh you know start this journey about learning more about stock trading and technical analysis you know which is a way to predict stock prices now coincidentally uh, the part generation of my family right everybody has been into the stock market right they all uh, uh, had stock trading as a primary business and my father is actually a educator in the space so during the lockdown i got a chance to actually learn more about this business from him and 
I realized it's really exciting, right? Uh, I, I want to say that, you know, I can see why my family loved being in this line of business because I decided to take a different career path. But, uh, you know, now I trade on the side. I think, you know, uh, it was a silver lining to the lockdown in that, you know, I learned something new. So that was really good. It's it's like you're going back to your undergrad where you majored in finance. And you're like, I have the time, so let me do that again. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think... Uh, Basically, right? You you learn from your life backwards, but you live your life forward, right? So I think uh, you know, never say never. I think you know, you gotta keep your mind open, right? Uh, I've even started thinking about maybe starting a company of my own in the future, right? Again, right? Because I feel like when I did my venture in the past, I didn't really have the experience, but now having spent so much time in the industry, right? I could I could revisit that idea as well, right? So I think. Uh, you know, one's got to be open-minded, one's got to keep pushing themselves to the limit and uh, a lot of new opportunities will emerge, I think, with that attitude. It's like uh, Steve Jobs said that you don't know how the dots are going to connect, but they are going to connect. Exactly, exactly. That's the right way to look at it. So, uh, with that, that is all the time we had, today. We can't thank you enough for taking out the time and joining us from Singapore. We know you are very, very busy and uh, let's hope we can do this sometime again.